0: Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Throw It Batch. This is a podcast where we throw back our favorite wine and cocktails while recapping the most loved
1: and hated reality show, The Bachelorette. But FYI, we don't hold back, which means we're talking spoilers, news and gossip, insider info, astrology, and more. You have been warned. I'm Sam. And I'm Alyssa. Let's throw it back.
0: Hello, Throw It Batch fam. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode. Um, I have both an emotional and literal hangover from last night. Let me tell you, it was a lot to digest and we're going to talk all about it. But before we do, we have a surprise for you. We have a guest this week. His name is David Yontef and he hosts the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. If you listen to our show, you probably listen to David's podcast podcast. David goes five days a week interviewing some of the most iconic reality TV stars, of course, including Bachelor Nation royalty like Trista Sutter, Mike Johnson, Ben Higgins, Kendall Long, Blake Horseman, the list goes on and on. And of course, a ton of Bravo celebrities. We're going to talk to you all about what David does, get some tea, get some info from some of his juiciest interviews. How are
1: you doing, David?
2: I am doing good. How are you guys doing?
1: fantastic. I agree with Sam about the um, emotional hangover (laughs) of last night. I had to rewatch the episode and rewatch the scene and there's a lot to dive into.
0: But before we do that, we have to talk to the man of the hour about how you basically manifested your dream life of becoming friends with reality TV stars and interviewing them and asking them whatever is on your mind. How did this happen? How did this come to be?
2: Well, I mean, listen, I have reinvented myself professionally many, many a time, which on the side, I actually do like Zoom tutorials, I guess, for podcasts that are starting because I've just like reinvented my, it's like, I'm a business person. So I practiced corporate tax law, which is really neither here nor there. Wow. Left that, went into recruiting and in HR, ran HR departments for a bunch of different companies, most notably for Martha Stewart and worked with Martha which is a whole nother story that one day I will have to tell. But today, I guess is not that day. (laughs) But I will just ask, are we talking post-prison
0: or pre-prison?
2: We are talking after prison. So like, and not like the day after, like I probably a few years after. So it was a whole different thing by the time I got there. Still a very interesting place to work. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Yeah. And then, so I worked for a lot of companies I and mean, I also had my own staffing agency at one point, but the bottom line is I worked for all these agencies that kept merging, you know, cause like when a company merges, like the shared services, like finance and accounting and HR, and they're always the first to be laid off. So when my last job ended, I was like, I just need a moment to myself. Like, I'm not sure that this is not what I want to do anymore with my life. So Listen, I live in New York too, so that helps. Like I did manifest the like, if you wanna find these people, you can find them. They're not, this isn't like Jay-Z and Beyonce. (laughs) If you wanna hang out with a reality star and you really just, you know, put yourself in situations, you will meet these people and it is organic. Like you're not gonna be friends with everyone, but you get to know people by the 10th time that you've met them. So I kind of became friends a lot of the people that were on reality TV. And then that was that, that was the end of it period. And then eventually I was like, this has to be some business. Like I need to do something probably with the rest of my life. I'm not sure I want to, but (laughs) I probably should. So I didn't for a long time, I was living like a life of leisure and just hanging out with all these people and partying all night. But it just, uh, this business aspect was always there. And then one day I was like, maybe this is a podcast. So that is where the name behind The Velvet Rope came from. Like my pilot episode was a story about like, I was in Florida and I was at a dinner with like Rick Leventhal, Kelly Dodd, Ramona Singer and Dolores Catania.
1: That oh was gosh. the dinner.
2: And there I was. And I'm like, this, do people want to hear about what's happening at this dinner right now? Because I might seem like I'm drunk, but I'm observing literally everything. Very so, Gemini. <laughs> right? So yeah, so when my story, podcast started, it really was like, I'm going to do two days a week. There's going to be one interview and we, you know, with like a small name, like, let's not go, you know, I don't, this is, I've never done this. We're going to start with like, you know, a small name in the Bravo world. And then the other day, I'm just going to spill, spill the tea. It was very supposed to be like a combination between like Kathy Griffin, my life on the D list and like Wendy Williams, like we'll have a great time and I'll be your friend, but it's going to be talked about the next day on the air. That was the model when I started this podcast. So I wasn't sure anyone wanted to hear these stories. Then the first episode, this dinner, I'm like, oh my God, people do want to hear these stories. People are like living for their story. And then I just don't do, listen, this is not an ego thing. I'm a personal mess. I mean, like my dating life, like I'm just like per- personally, God knows. But professionally, I, that is the Gemini, I hyper-focus and just and like, get out of my way. And I'm going to figure out each industry that I go into. I think I'm very much like Bethany Frankel in business. Like, I don't care how it gets done. I will put my head down and be like, I don't have a year or two years. I'm going to figure this out within like as quickly as I can. So that's kind of how my podcast started. And then when COVID hit, I'm like, I respect everyone who turned to the bottle and was just home drinking all day and sleeping. Literally that said with no... Arrogance or anything. I get it. I could have gone down that road, but I'm like, I feel if I go down this road for even a day, this is a slippery slope and I will just be sleeping for a year of my life. And instead, I threw myself into work and I'm like, I am just gonna work as if that's that's just it. And so I then went to three days. So then I started booking bigger name guests. And then I was like, listen, I mean, my stories are still there. And this is not a shameless plug for my Patreon. It's like, if you want to hear these stories, you got to go pay for it over here because they still exist. But I was like, I really saw a trend that like the interviews are the shows that were doing well and rating well. And I'm like, it's not about me. So shut up. So now it's just a whole different skill set. Like I've become an investigative journalist. I've literally. It's a five-day week interview show. Yeah, I'll give the fact about myself every now and then, but it's not about me. It's about you coming on and I will relax you. And then I will go in for the kill. And these are the questions that everybody wants to know. And, and it really, there was an in-between. I went to three days a week. And what happened is like, uh, people just wanted to talk. And I felt, I still feel this, but especially in the beginning, I feel if Kendall Long and you know Nick Viall and Queen Victoria want to talk, It has to be this week or maybe next week. And that's it. Someone's not doing three weeks from now. So what happened is like, I overshot everything because I was working all the time. And I'm like, COVID helped. Like I was like, I didn't realize people's willingness to want to talk because they were all home all day. And now there is no more in person. There's no more come to my studio. Like Zoom is the new thing. And so it's not like everyone's doing a great podcast in person. And mine's like some like backward thing on Zoom. It's like, this is the new norm. So then I was able to get bigger guests than I thought. And then I was like, I literally had publicists and managers and networks and agents and people being like, where the fuck is the goddamn show? They recorded three months ago. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. Like I'm as upset as you are. So then I'm like, let's go to three days a week. And then four, and that's how it really, it became five days a week. I'm like, maybe one day I'll slow down, but it's not, it's, we're nowhere near that. Like it keeps getting worse by the week. I mean, like I've, it's not such a backlog anymore, but that's really, God, I'm so long-winded, but that's really how this whole thing came about. It was like, I overshot it and I couldn't say no. And listen, it's such a name game. If you're like, you know, hey, like Mike G, Kendall Long. Oh, Kendall was on? Well, now I'm coming on. Really, Connor? Really, Mike? So it's just the more names I got from every sector, the more I was able to name drop. And that's kind of how it started.
0: Let's start off with talking first because Melissa is a Bravo queen. I'm basically stick to Batch Nation. But I mean, when Melissa has listened to your podcast, seen who you have interviewed, she's like... I can't believe it. So Melissa, I know you have some like Bravo Liberty questions as far as that's
1: concerned. And then we'll get into batch, which is your favorite Bravo episode, uh, show currently on
2: currently on now, or currently like in rotation, or you mean on the air now, like New York
1: currently on now,
2: <sighs> you're not even going to believe what I'm going to say. I always, it's just a New York, I know them. It's what I know. Now, I understand that the ratings are the lowest ever and people are not watching and we're talking, we are in a major crisis. I did a show, well, that's the thing. It's like, I think because I interview people all the time and I never speak, uh, two weeks ago, I did a show with two people like yourselves from a Bravo podcast and I called it like, Roni State of Emergency and it was a Friday show. I'm like, there's no famous guests on the show. It's gonna do fine. It was right. like so highly rated, like one of my highest rated shows on Instagram. I think the last time I checked there were like 500, literally 500 comments. So I'm like, huh, maybe people actually want to hear from me more than I give myself credit for. But I understand that like Roni is in this major state of emergency and the ratings are horrible and there's no reunion coming and there's no next season yet. And like, nobody knows what's going on. I still have to choose it. Cause like I don't know. It's just what I know. Like I understand a bunch of women in their late thirties, forties, and fifties. And I guess we have to say sixties because we have Ramona that just are single and gone and get fall down drunk every night. That's my life. So it's what I'm used to.
1: Exactly. I, it can go either yeah. way. It's either what you're used to. So you don't want to watch it or it's what you're used to. So you feel at home watching it. I feel an affinity still to Real Housewives of New York. I, I I'm always going to love Rohoni. I didn't feel it was in a state of emergency. It did get a little awkward, but I, I listened to your interview with Brashan, and I loved that you gave her the respect she deserved because I find her to be such a unique character to the entire franchise.
2: And I agree. Like I, so, and that's the thing, like I try to take myself out of it. Like if this were Potomac or if this were Dallas, would I be jumping on the bandwagon of this season so bad? Like maybe, maybe. Cause I certainly thought the OC was the worst season in Housewives history of any Housewives, not even just the OC. I just think it literally is the worst season of Housewives that has ever existed, period. I agree. So I'm like, maybe if I didn't live here and know a lot of these people, maybe I would. So I try to understand it. I, but I, I agree with you. I don't think it's that much of an emergency. I don't see it. think it's that much worse or better than last season of Roni. I think it's the same.
1: You know, yeah, it's, so just to, it's a growing pain. That's for some viewers, right? What? Because there was a split over people being comfortable with the alcohol abuse and some people being like, but that's when they're the most fun. And now Luann is kind of going a different direction, but um, I'll shift. So, what what is your favorite retired
2: Bravo show? Ooh, that is so hard. Okay, it's going to be a tie. Okay, it I is one hundred percent a tie between. I've had almost everyone on from this show, Ladies of London, and just as good, the Rachel Zoe Project. Oh my gosh. Just as good. There's no question. It's those two. It's there's, I have circled around Rachel for, I've had Brad Goreski on my show, Mm -hmm. but I've tried, and listen, there's certain people, like everyone's asked me what my wish list is. It keeps changing. Like Rachel would be towards the top of my wish. I mean, bananas and just Rachel is everything. So those are the two.
1: There are talks that she's coming back. I think we just became friends because those, that would be my answer as well. And then my last Bravo question is, who is your favorite person from the franchise?
2: From which franchise?
1: From, from the Real Housewives franchise.
2: It's I've really just realized this the other because it has changed. There were times I've said for a long time Ramona was my favorite housewife ever. Now, I know her in real life. I mean, she's a horrible person, but I can separate. <laughs> then because I loved Melrose Place forever. Lisa Rinna was my favorite housewife just because mm. I was like a huge Melrose Place fan. And it was like, this is just, I mean it doesn't matter, like you on Melrose. At the end of the day, my new answer, which has been my answer for a while, is Luanne Dulleseps, period, the end. Favorite, favorite, favorite.
1: I am not mad at that answer.
2: For so, for so many reasons. For so, to me, I mean, I had Luanne on my show. I think Luann is, well, when I told her this on my show, first of all, I think she plays the game better than almost anyone better than yes she's i mean also she has she started as a countess that we couldn't stand (laughs) and then she had so many real life things really happen that she didn't need to come up with a storyline and now she like they don't want you to be crazy they don't want you to stand out that is not what they want the minute you stand out and take over the show like dorinda or like maybe vicky you it's the end you don't last like Bronwyn like when it's too much so like they want you to just be like a normal natural person speak up when you have to speak up like Luann does that so well she doesn't fight hard she doesn't but she we saw her she kicked Ebony out of her house like Luann let's not forget Luann well you piss her off and she'll speak up and have you for dinner but Without that, she's just normal and funny. And on social media, this is what I told her when she was on my show: like, you don't get paid more for 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 spending your life like up at like I know all these housewives. They they call me. They're like literally take it to heart. They're like, can you believe? I'm like, well, that's the job. Why do you care what she said about you? Like. Luann doesn't. She never see her in these like Twitter fights. She just collects that check. And if someone says something about her, she does not respond. She moves on, like your check is the same regardless of whether you spend. So that is so smart. That's what I would do. Like on camera, that's where they care. They don't really care what you do with like Twitter and stuff. So I think Luann plays it well. And she just has that star quality. She does. She has something about her. She's like a superstar.
1: She is the perfect archetype for a housewife because she's lived so many lives we can't even count them and at the same time her ego serves her well it doesn't kind of pin her as an enemy, it just serves her in any in any respect or position or moment that goes on in the show. I really like your answers. All right, Sam, I'm sorry. I'll give you back the mic. Sorry. (laughs) Don't be sorry.
0: No, I mean, I think this is kind of like an interesting um, bridge to go over. So the past year and a half, there have been several reality shows including The Bachelor franchise, including like you said, Housewives, the you know New York ones, ratings have been terrible. People have terrible things to say about it. Vanderpump Rules, things are crashing and burning in the reality TV world. People are getting canceled, left and right, shows are getting canceled. What are your thoughts on all of that and why it's happening now? Is it just because we have too much time on our hands with being in lockdown or did everything just come to a head?
2: I don't know. I've talked about this a lot on my Patreon because that is where I talk about life. Like, I don't get it. Like, I would have thought ratings would be through the roof because of COVID. But yes, it's The Bachelor. It's Housewives. It's a lot of stuff. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's because of what's going on in the world and now we're like conscious because i mean if that's the that's what the roni producers thought and bravo and now we're in the worst ratings ever i don't know i just think maybe look things have to come to an end we never had reality tv in our lives before the real world is gone i just think things eventually maybe it's time maybe it's with the housewives personally I think not for me but I think for the average person Salt Lake was one of the best franchises ever but I think by adding another franchise That one's great, but now it's on too much. So it's just like the little mini break, which you barely had before. Now, like you don't have it all. This is just my theory. Mm -hmm. And so it's, if you really boil it down, Housewives is all kind of the same. Different, you know, single, not single, but it's still a bunch of people that really, it's not about their jobs. This isn't below deck. So it's like, it's the same story of drama and husbands or being single and drinking and who said what to who and who's, so it's kind of like too much of the same. I mean, one could argue the bachelor is the same between the bachelor and the bachelorette and then paradise. It's not on as much as housewives, but it's on a lot. So, I mean, but I do think that all the ratings are down And you can't even say it's because people don't want drama because I mean, The Bachelor is about love, apparently. (laughs) So I don't know. I just feel that maybe, maybe we need something new. Like when has there been a new reality show? And I mean, like anything like Big Brother, Survivor, could be a competition where we're just like, holy shit, this is amazing. Because we used to do that there used to be one after you couldn't get enough.
0: Have you seen um, F-Boy Island, which Elon, he was a producer on The Bachelor, Bachelorette, all of them until like, I think Hannah Brown's season he didn't do, but uh, Elon Gale. And he was really, he created Paradise. He did all of that. And he left the show and now he has this show on HBO Max called F-Boy Island. And It's kind of like a combination of Love Island, The Bachelor, and a little bit of Bachelor Pad in there too. Bachelor Pad was a long time ago. It had the money aspect to it. Um,
2: I don't know. Have you seen it yet? No, but I mean, the name of it. And I also (laughs) have to say, maybe next year I'll watch Love Island because the concept, like it all looks great. I actually have somebody from Love Island on my show tomorrow. I have the narrator, Matthew Hoffman. Oh,
1: Oh, he's amazing.
2: But- I haven't watched it any of the seasons. And then when I was preparing for my interview with him, I'm like, why don't I watch this? This is such a type of show I lo- would love, but that sounds great. F-Y Island. the concept of it sounds, yeah, like the name of it sounds great. Speaking of, you know who I think is killing and coming for every audience is Netflix, Netflix is like, we're not playing. We're fucking Netflix. First of all, Bling Empire, if you didn't, it was the best thing ever, literally ever. Selling Sunset is literally the best reality show ever. So here I am saying there hasn't been any shows right now. And then I don't watch it, but whatever that Orthodox Jewish show is, I have heard from everyone. It is just beyond phenomenal.
0: Yeah, because they take it almost in a docu-series kind of way. Like, yes, there's funny moments, but they make it like it's a documentary, which is interesting because, I mean, even like Making a Murderer, like that was one of the first times that we've ever seen a story drawn out like that over episodes that was documentary style. So I think they're applying that to their TV shows and kind of looking at it through this different lens, because let's be honest, I mean, regular TV, ABC, NBC, CBS network, like, it's dying.
2: It is dying. And I think the other thing is like, you know, you look at like Bravo, like Bravo don't got no money. And if they do, they're not giving you no money. Like Netflix, like I've had a lot of the selling sunset people on my show and they're like, no, we, we didn't, we didn't want Bravo. We did not want ABC. Like this is net. This is in like, forget it. The United States of America. We could care less. This is in like every country. Like our first choice was Netflix. So wow. I think Netflix also, I mean, I don't think they throw money at these people, but I think they also have like the docu-series and it's like a higher quality of like, we'll spend money if this is a hit, we will do what we have to, to keep it going. I think the bottom line is we were all in a pandemic. We didn't know what to do. We were scared as fuck for our lives and the world discovered Tiger King period. And that (laughs) that was it, that was it. After that, Netflix is like, okay, so give us a minute. And let's review it. Cause I also didn't watch the first season of Selling Sunset. I was like, I, and then I kept hearing about it and I watched the second season at the beginning of COVID. I was like, no, I was like, l- let me start the first episode of the first season. Cause I keep hearing about this show. I am not watching it. I am not taking on another show, but I'm so, I'm tired of hearing this crap. Let me just see. And I watched like 20 minutes and I'm like, I'll be watching both seasons. This is the best thing I've ever seen. So I just think Netflix, Tiger King changed it for them. Mm-hmm. I, I really do.
1: I think that Netflix is really smart because it's like take the bit, take the bait and now binge. And you really it everything's about timing. We are all kind of pigeon brained. There's so much to choose from in real life between the real life, social media, YouTube, all these different um apps. And it's just like sometimes waiting a week can just make you forget how you felt about the show and then that's it. And then you just can't keep up. Let's talk about The Bachelor
0: a little bit. How long have you been a part of the franchise? Have you been
2: watching and rooting or hating the show? (laughs) I truly have been there from the beginning, but I took quite a big hiatus. So like I had Trista Sutter on my show, like I was there for Trista and Andrew Firestone and like Jen Chef, like I was there in the beginning. And then I don't know when I took my hiatus, but I did. And it wasn't like, it was like a real hiatus. Like I'm just never going to watch the show again. And the bottom line is I started watching for work for this podcast. I was like, I have no choice but to watch. So the Claire Crawley season was when I'm like, now I'm stumbling into all these bachelor people And listen, do I interview people where I don't watch the show? 100%, because it's really become a job for me at this point. So if I'm pitched someone or someone falls into my lap, I'm like, okay, this that's happened. Like someone was pitched to me from Floribama Shore, from MTD. I'm like, okay, well, this is on brand for the Behind the Velvet Rope audience. I don't know who this is. I don't watch Floribama Shore, nor am I going to start for this interview, but I can figure it out. But I had so many bachelor people that were like coming my way that I'm like, I... Wave the red flag or white flag, whatever it is. Yeah. I give up. I will interview all these people and I will watch the damn show. <laughs> so it I came it's back.
1: Better sometimes I, it's better that way because it's there's no bias and your innocent curiosity can really open to questions that aren't horse blinded in a way.
2: Yeah, and like. Right. So when I started interviewing some of these people, it wasn't like with Bravo where I knew all the nuances of who slept with who. I knew enough. I have to say as a category, which is shocking to me, the bachelor people in general, just, you know, everyone always asked me behind the scenes, like they are very, you're going to be shocked. I'm saying this low maintenance and not a lot of real life drama between them. That is my analysis which makes they no sense I'm like you people all slept with each other like you should and I don't know and this is not age shaming I don't know if it's just because they're younger I don't but like you get these housewives on and it's like I will get like a test like you'll come on my show and I'll talk to you and you you hate this one over here and she's coming in two days like I'm doing my job babe like I love you love you it's, it's authentic and we can go out and we're not going to talk about this person but then two days later when someone else comes on they're like they almost feel like, well, why did I just try? I'm like, because that's how it works. The bachelor people aren't like that. They don't call and they're not like, well, you just had my ex on that. I just told you three days ago. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, but you all slept together. Like you should really hate each other. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't.
0: It is kind of maybe an age thing that like these people, cause you know, Melissa and I are in our early thirties. So a lot of them are younger than us or around the same age, but like They grew up in the time of social media, and they know what that means to be exploited on a camera, um, reality TV, social media, whatever it is. So they are very careful with their steps to a point where it's a little bit less interesting. Um, But I want to take it back a little because I, too, was um, a fan of The Bachelor from the beginning. I was like 12. Um, I was watching the first season and, you know, and then Trista and all that. And I actually um, I was a red carpet reporter in L.A. And I, um, the last carpet I did before lockdown was for Chris Harrison's new line of Rose. And um, (laughs) there, it was interesting to say the least and, um, but Andrew Firestone was there and he's just walking down and no one cares to talk to him. And I was like, Andrew Firestone, is this you? I, I, I love you. He was amazing. Like the old school people are so good.
2: I quote him people ask me all the time and I say like my I mean my favorite bachelorette is Trista probably and Andrew is probably my favorite bachelor
0: yeah
2: because like back in the day when Andrew Firestone like you know okay now it's like we do what we do you're on the red carpet like he is just a normal person but back in the day you're like oh he's so rich and he's from like a regal family and like he is all those things but you just really thought it was like just something right? Like, that's how I felt. And it was newer at that time. I mean, I love Andrew Firestone.
0: I know he looks and he still looks amazing. Um, What was it like interviewing Trista? Because she just seems like the sweetest person ever. But on top of that, I mean, I know that you have talked about with several of your guests, um, Chris Harrison and everything that's happened. And it seems as though the people in bachelor nation that knew him and worked with him for a long time, they still kind of like hold a flame for him like Trista does. And like, you know, we were very honest on the show about cancel culture, our opinions. um, And, you know, they, they go back and forth, but yeah. Like, what was it like kind of talking to her and hearing, you know, her defend him a little bit? Like, is it
2: awkward to ask those questions? Well, I ask much more awkward questions so i think it's two things like i have gotten you know like i've just gotten good at this job like i listen i will never not ask the awkward questions i have to that's just become my brand it is so do i have certain interviews where i hold my breath yes but i will still ask you know. I have to say a lot of it is the person. There are so many people that people don't realize they just give it away. Like you get on with someone, like you haven't even started recording and they're like, hi, darling. And you're just like, okay, this is the free for all. We're gonna gonna get there. (laughs) But like, you are feeling me. And like, I haven't even said, really it's true that there are certain things right in the beginning. You're just like, this is like, and people don't realize like you're giving me, like I'm gonna go really hard. And then other times I will still ask the question, but there are times where I am literally like, okay, David, you should have asked that three questions. I got like, get the hook, like get it on, but I'll still ask it with her. I feel like it wasn't that bad because I do feel that she knows what she's doing also. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a lot of times you interview someone where you're just like, this is so real. This is so real. Like I just had Lala from Vanderpump Rules on. Like that was one of my, it was so, Lala was not trying to get press. She was not trying to hold back. So it's like, that's the thing. I have people on that are so like slamming someone. And I'm like, my show gets a lot of press and I know what you're doing, which is fine. Go ahead and do it. It's going to benefit me. But like, I don't think that's so authentic. You're really looking for that headline. And then there are other people where like, Trista definitely aired on the side of like, she knew what she was doing and anything she said would be held against her. Cause like, that's good. Okay. At least you, you know that like Bravo. I mean, everyone should know that, but then there's like a Lala where you're like, you are just really answering. So I felt Trista was a little reserved maybe in how she really feels, but she made it clear. Like, you know, I'm not going to turn my back on a friend. So yeah. that wasn't so awkward.
1: Yeah. I feel
2: like it some of the other questions with her got awkward. Cause I wanted to know, like, you know, would you still go on today? Like it's turned into a lot of sex and, you know, was that okay with you? And like, how do you feel about that? And I'm not criticizing, I'm just, and like, would you let your children go on? Like, these are the questions I asked her. Like, I was more interested in that angle, but she did, you know, she lightly stood up for Chris, lightly.
0: Yeah, I mean, cause I know too, like you had Ben Higgins on the show, Blake Horseman. I think Blake is one of the, only legit like bachelor nation people that is saying you know oh yeah no he should have been let go and that's like that's where most of the viewers really well not most of the viewers it's 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 split it's so complicated and we were so scared on our show to talk about it um at first because even if we said one thing like you know, we think he was wrong and should take some time off, but should he be crucified publicly and people saying to like ruin his life and that he should die?
1: It became like a vehicle of uh, to assess people's characters within this like world of, of Bachelor Nation. And it didn't really need to be that. It was sort of a, a we, we, we've gotten very far on just being curious of people's opinions. And now everything is sort of a, tell me your character based on this one question and and we it's gotten really fuzzy but i mean i don't blame the old school people for uh sort of protecting him because yeah. they're also protecting something that has started their livelihood he is sort of like a representation of like this career crest that they have are it's- people
2: still on this because i mean listen bravo mm-hmm. people are just as bad i have to say
1: yeah that
2: <laughs> they're just as bad with their like one thing. And like, they fight for hours. This is why I'm so happy yeah. that I don't have a recap. Not, not that I'm afraid to say anything. I just am like, I don't engage in any of that. I'm like, I don't really care what you think. But yeah. yeah. But you know who also really was clear on my show was Mike G, Mike Garofalo
1: mm-hmm. was yeah. like,
2: no, there's no world. I mean, it was like very strong. I think he was actually the strongest. He was like, "There's no world in which that man should have a job." It was pretty. I think it even got press. I can't remember. I think there's a headline. Yeah. He was like, really like, absolutely not. I won't, there's nuts. There's no hedging here. That's it's disgusting. I was like, okay. So then like that was, but yeah, I think almost everyone else, right? Like not Blake, but a lot of the others. Trista especially mm-hmm. was kind of like, you know, I won't turn my back on my friend.
0: Yeah. Who was your um, favorite that you I mean you've interviewed a really good slew of people, and some of them are interesting characters some of them are the vanilla, you know bachelor nation they know what to say. But yeah, who was your like favorite and most interesting that you were kind of
2: surprised by. I mean I liked most of them like I loved Connor silly and Mike Johnson I love them they did it separately I loved them. Mm. I don't know why I just like I we just bonded
0: yeah to me Connor is so like vanilla I went to the bachelor live show in LA like right before lockdown and um Connor was the bachelor that they brought up on stage I just couldn't get over his pants he just wears really short pants and Really, I he's hate a it man. very much he's a I, very tall man yeah then get longer yeah, pants yeah he's tall <laughs> but <laughs> I no, like a little ankles Well, then you would, you must love all the bachelor nation men that don't wear socks and wear capri pants. I mean, I
2: feel like Mike G though, Mike Garofalo was very real, which I know a lot of people accuse him of not being real and accuse him of some other things. I've heard that a lot of people think that that whole thing where he was attacked was not true. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying this. Well, that's what people said after my interview came out. Cause I mean, that was part of my interview too. Mm -hmm. But I found him very, just, I bonded with him and Connor and Mike for some reason, trying to think what other guys did I have on? I had on like Ben Higgins, Ben was oh listen nothing against him like I don't think we felt each other as much as some of the other boys yeah I felt and I mean we weren't feeling each other he
0: could have been like mid-breakdown at the point where he was speaking to you because he's since been on Trista's podcast and has spoken out publicly how he had to go home to Indiana because he had a mental breakdown and I um, I wonder
2: when that was huh
0: yeah. Cause when was your interview with him? It was in like the spring sometime. I want, I'm like, I don't even know what month probably. it is anymore.
2: I know. I was just going to say, yeah, probably like March, April, mm-hmm. May. Yeah. Something yeah. like that.
0: And it's interesting. because huh. I, I think that's when he said, he's like, I just lost my shit. And wow. Just,
2: because of COVID or just life.
0: No, I think he was just taking a look at his life and being like, the bachelor is all I have. And I don't want the rest of my life to be dictated by this one thing because it will go away at
2: some point. And what am I going to do then? You know what, though? Have your breakdown. Like at least that's ahead of a lot of others. Yes. Because I say in my next life, like, which I have no time for now, I would love to come back and start a consulting business for before, during, and after your reality TV experience because. I hear the same story from everyone. Like, especially like with housewives, like when they get fired, it's like everyone eventually gets fired. So like, I don't get it. Like you really thought you were that? Like, I understand you were this, but we've had number one first on the call sheet is fired. So that means anyone, so why are you so shocked? And what do you mean you've saved no money? And what do you mean you don't know what to do with your life? I would have been planning about what to do with my life the first day I got there and saved every penny, because it was going to end. And if I was there four years later, I'd be like, uh, is this a mistake? I thought I'd be fired the second day. I don't <laughs> understand it. So at least he's like unrealizing this, because I think most of the other people, it's that's where I don't get it, where like you don't get that this is good. I'm not raining on it, but there's a whole life. Like, how is that gonna work? Maybe mm-hmm. it's because I have had different careers and like it just how is that gonna be sustainable forever?
1: Exactly. You can't attach your identity to something that is breakable that has has an expiration date that you don't choose. So I
2: don't even know how there's so many influencers still now. Like there's so many bachelors. There's so many, like, I get it. If you are the bachelor and then you go on to dancing with the stars and then this, like, I get, there are exceptions like Tyler Cameron, but for all the other people that are just influencers. And I don't even understand how there's anything for any of them really I don't mean that like a bad way but there's so many
0: yeah you it's best to and at the very least start a charity start a charity because you should be a good person but also so you can have some kind of substance for you that when this is all over you have that to kind of like build off of um, and that people respect you. Yeah. That it's kind of a weird way to look at it. Like you want to stay famous, start a charity, but I mean, for real, because it's like, be a good person, but also people will view you differently.
1: Yeah. Totally fulfilling. It fills your cup and you're filling others. It's like what you give out is what you get back. Everything mm-hmm. just cycles. So it's really good.
0: I also, of course, want to make sure we touch on this season of the bachelorette and Katie I have been a big Katie fan since she walked out of that limo with a vibrator. Actually, even before that, I found her on TikTok talking about her poop stories. And I just thought to myself, I would be friends with this girl. A lot of people didn't like that she was cast as The Bachelorette, though, which I also understand why and all of that. But what have you thought of her so far?
2: I kind of think I was one of those people who wasn't so thrilled Mm-hmm. I didn't not like her. I just never necessarily understood the appeal of Katie. I'm not sure I still really understand <laughs> it. I mean, what's your why just that she's like the everyday girl and she's just like a normal person. Is that what it is? I mean, I'm actually asking it like I don't know if that's really it. I I mean, like her. Kind she's of. She's she's authentic and she's herself and
1: girl next yeah.
0: door. Yeah, but also like the dirty girl next door that says whatever she wants, and you know, but that also kind of comes with like, are you just saying things because you want to shock the audience. Um, so you feel up until this point like her season has been kind of like meh, like you could go either way with her.
2: Yeah, so a couple of things. First of all, I thought the clear, the only clear choice, because I don't think Michelle is any, I'm not excited for Michelle in any way, shape, or form. Really? Ex- yeah. Wow, I find her boring. So, who did you want? Period. I think the only I thought there was like nobody. The only clear choice I thought was Abigail. I thought that would have called that would have been for so many reasons, and she has you know the hearing. Like, okay, so that's. But also, I think she looks the part. She's like not too far to the left or the right. I don't mean politics. I just mean like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And she's interesting and she's, I don't know. I really thought she was the choice. I thought like just, she was a good choice.
0: What did you yeah, think I, of Matt James?
2: He was okay. I have <laughs> to say that. Okay. Yes. I thought I don't love Matt's beard. I think Matt is by far completely hot. Especially when, I mean, I, I liked him more in the beginning, the more the season went on I was—it had nothing to do with Rachel. I was just like, oh, like pull it together, dude. Um, I'm just was like, this guy is like a wet noodle. He's not going to choose anyone. He's not ready. But I mean, look, I'm wrong. Apparently it's working out between him and Rachel. I actually really do think they're like perfect and they're in love. I I do. I mean, that's, I guess, a controversial statement, but like, I mean, I I think that they're.
1: Well, they're a controversial couple, but now it's like, they're just these mavericks out on the loose, like in love. So let's just.
2: (laughs) They're out there in love. I. Yeah. So, I mean, so I, that's why I, I thought Abigail and I thought it was strange that Katie was chosen. I like Katie for some of the reasons that you do. Like there's times where I'm like, yeah, this, she's like, this is where we should be with this franchise. Like she should be the bachelorette. you know what I'm saying? I have moments. Mm-hmm. I just don't like her per se. I don't think it was the best season. That's just me. I mean, I, I like, I like, we could talk about Greg. I mean, yeah. like Greg is the, is the reason it's a good season. Like, that's my thing. Like now what? I'm like, I mean, so like, I don't really not like Katie, but I just think Katie and Michelle are two weird choices.
0: Yeah. So let, let's touch on Greg um, a little bit. I, I mean, so we actually like we're a spoiler podcast. So the way we analyze the show is through information that we find, which is literally bright, maybe 65% of the time. So it's also, we still don't know. Um, so, you know, That's we did. Okay. Yeah. It's like, we did know some things about Greg, but I just, I don't know. I just kept on looking at him and I'm like, I call bullshit. <laughs> I just, I don't understand you. And last night, I mean, this man had a breakdown and it was almost as though he's been like a wolf in sheep's clothing and all of a sudden the sheep just fell off and he was like,
2: wow. So what do you call bullshit on what? You think this is all camera time? That he, he's having this complete breakdown?
0: Yeah, well, here's the thing is that, I don't know if you know this, but apparently he's been trying to get on the show for a long time and he had applied to be on Hannah Brown's season. Um, he actually was there- For Claire's season right before COVID happened, because there was a whole group of men they were about to start, and then they sent them home. And the public response was like, Why are you setting her up with all of these like 26, 27 year olds? She's almost 40. And they recast some of them. And so Greg was one that was almost gonna be there. And then when they rethought everything, they, you know, decided he was too young. And so now he's on Katie's. So it was kind of like with that knowledge, I'm like any, you know, has an acting background, which I'm sure a million of them do. But yeah, with that knowledge, I kind of just felt like you're not a shy boy. Like you're not a shy boy, Greg. I don't believe this whole appeal.
2: Well, I never know all of that. Okay. So let's just try. I never thought it wasn't real. I mean, is that, I mean, are like people saying that online never crossed my mind?
1: Yeah. A lot of people are saying that online. They're trying to kind of they're trying to have that gotcha Greg moment. And I think that everyone's trying a little bit too hard. They're I, overanalyzing it.
2: Yeah. I took him as like real. I took him as like, I don't even know why we're watching this show. This is who you should pick. Third, I mean, do they make people sign a different contract? now? Like, I almost feel like Katie had to sign her life away that she won't I I just think this is just where my crease because I always do break the fourth wall on my show and like this is just what my mind thinks and even in like when I interview people I'm like no that was fake like (laughs) do people have to sign a new contract now after Claire it would not shock me that you have to stay Mm -hmm. to the end period the end and if anything happens you're on the hook for like millions of dollars and you cannot walk off this show I am 99% sure that that is the, that is somewhere in the new contract because to me like I don't know why Katie wouldn't have just walked off with Greg like I think she wants to
1: I think that you the think- show the pressure cook of the show actually created a divine intervention
2: and well allowed- yes
1: yeah I because I don't think I think she would have chose Greg but it would have ended somewhere after the show if it was Greg and she yeah turned- the boat of Blake, I do see that she doesn't really know what she has with Blake. She just enjoys it in the moment. The minute she goes back to her, her hotel room, she's thinking of Greg again. And she's just very, I mean, she's a Virgo moon. She's very analytical. She's obsessed with logic. And sometimes when it's time for your heart to take the lead, it's not going, it's just, you know, going to kind of steer you in the wrong path.
2: I agree that I don't think that his breakdown has Like, I think it's changed the course of the show. Yes. I think she was going to choose Greg, and this was it. And I, right. If he acted like this in the real world, like once you got the girl and now you're just jealous all the time when she's like an hour later, doesn't call you back. Mm -hmm. It would have ended (laughs) right away. Yeah. But I do think that now she's like, what the hell? Like, this doesn't work. But I mean, she was all but telling him like there was one line where she said, like, in the end, it'll all work out or something, which I know doesn't mean anything, but she was kind of had her. I think at that point, she really was saying it's obviously you like there's nobody else. Uh, I just what I think. But I do think the more you watch that, the more I'm like, this girl is really going to have red flag second thoughts now.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, did you think his behavior was odd at all? Because, I mean, be, it's hard because I pick people that I love on the show. And then I'm like, wow, that was weird behavior. Um, did you change your opinion at all about him?
2: I mean, I still, I mean, I think that he really does love her. I do. I don't I think, think it's an act. And I feel like this show is not normal. So it's like you're not normally going to know that someone's dating all these other people. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they probably are in the beginning, but you're not necessarily going to know that. So I feel like maybe can't you just be like the show was a crazy pressure cooker and like what a mindfuck and like I'm not like this in real life? Isn't that, we've seen that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I don't get that emotionally invested onto the characters where I can get disappointed by them. So I just felt like all the viewers... Sam included, got really disappointed with the gaslighting and what he did. But to be honest with you, he's a Gemini, you're a Gemini. Geminis look for the truth. They represent the mirror. There's two. One's the reflection. One's standing here in reality. And they just want to unveil. They're like, show me me what's in front of me. And sometimes Geminis are 50 steps ahead. And the person that they're sitting across is still like, wait a minute, you just walked in and I'm wearing blue and you're wearing green and I'm still processing something so not... There's a lot coming. There's a lot coming. I think Greg saw the future, the past, the next life. I think he saw everything and she just couldn't catch up to it. And he was sitting kind of across like a bachelorette robot who's like you were one and blake was two and he's like stop giving me these this first place second place bullshit like i need you to telepathically tell me that you understand what my epiphany was like i had an epiphany and you don't understand the epiphany because you're trying to break it down logically and give some analytical reasoning behind what's going on emotionally and it just doesn't work that way
2: yeah and it's kind of like I mean, I see what he was, I get what he's saying. I get it. Like, how could you not know if I'm in love with you? You should be in love with me. Like, how is this going to work if you don't know? I mean, I get it. But also like, what show do you think you're on? Like, she can't say it now. And it's almost over, man. Like what? I don't get like, you you can't wait a week, two weeks. Like, what is it at this point? Three days? (laughs) I don't get it. So that's what I don't get. But I do think. Yeah, I think that she does feel for him.
1: Yeah, I feel like I'm way.
2: not turned off by him. I'm just like, I don't know. I felt it was authentic.
1: I felt like when he gave that love spiel, and this is before the argument actually, I'm just watching it, right? I don't, I haven't even had my feelings yet on the argument. I just remember stopping for a second while watching him give that spiel. And she just looked at him like a deer in headlights. And it's almost like she realized herself that she's kind of having the same conversation for the third time with the other two. And I think she also like unconsciously realized that this is not the person she wants to hear this love spiel from. And I think Blake made a really wise decision not saying anything to her. I think it's something that once it was on her lap, She didn't know what to do. It was like hot potato moment. And I think that she didn't have to say it. I think Greg understood that she couldn't say it, but he needed to feel it. I think that she didn't like just lean forward and kiss him and say that means so much to me. She didn't use any words. She just was like, it's lovely to look at you. It's almost like he just was a specimen and she was just like, wow. Wow you literally are twisting a knife in your heart. And that's really interesting to watch. I don't think I would do that if I was in your situation. Like, it's just a very, it was just very sterile.
2: I wonder if, cause like, okay, like if you act this way when you're on this show, that's understandable because you're in this, but then right, like when you get on, like you got the girl, like you won, dude. Like, then is it just like, okay, that was hell and it was worth it? Or right, is this like your character that you are just going to be jealous and so maybe this is a situation where like she still follows her heart and chooses him and then if he acts crazy in the real world this is going to be one of those like, guess what everyone just dumped and now she's chasing after Blake. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I mean, we will have to see because the future is unknown. We still kind of know what maybe will happen. But basically, what we know was up until this point. And now the rest of the season is in the Bachelor God's hands. Um, We're going to get into all of that and more recapping in a few minutes. But David, thank you so much for taking this time. You're a person that can create empires, it seems like in the snap of a finger. It's very
2: interesting. I have, I mean, listen, I've, again, don't give me too much credit because I am (laughs) a personal mess, but I have reinvented myself professionally, successfully many a time. I wish it was that simple. I do work like a dog, but thank you for the compliment. I should probably just take it and shut up. (laughs) But yes, if people like, I always tell people when I go on other podcasts, like if I annoyed you here today, still listen to my podcast because it's five days a week and it's interviews and it's not just reality TV anymore. We do actresses and anything pop culture related and singers. And I, it's not about me at all. You'll never hear an opinion. I ask sometimes awkwardly. I just, someone will give me an opinion on someone and I'll just sit there and I'll be like okay, well moving on. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to comment. Cause I, I know this person and they're going to be on my show tomorrow. So I am not commenting, but thank <laughs> you for the compliment. I really should just take it. and thrive. Yeah.
1: Take it and like dance with it. One yes. to the hills.
0: Please right. <laughs> let us know where we can find you and your podcast, all of that
2: good stuff. And anytime you guys want me to come back on, this was so much fun. Oh, yep. we
0: would love let to. to. Thank Thank you. You. This
2: was like, um, you can find Behind the Velvet Rope anywhere podcasts are found. Listen in, let us know. Even if you hate me, chances are you're gonna like someone that you're interviewing yeah. and you'll want to listen anyway. So Behind the Velvet Rope and on Instagram, it's at behind velvet rope. Instagram doesn't like long names, so it's at behind velvet rope. There's no the follow me. I do answer all DMs. <laughs>
0: hope that you guys enjoyed that interview with David. He is a character and a very smart businessman, an amazing interviewer. We really appreciate David for taking the time to come and chat with us. And even though um, we didn't really recap that much yet in that part of the episode, I think that um, speaking with David was an interesting perspective into all of the people he's interviewed and how his life has kind of turned into all of this. Um, What did you think, Melissa?
1: We speak to so many people that are new in this podcasting world or entertainment world, but he's been so seasoned based on how many shows he's done, how many people he's interviewed and had the chance to meet. I mean, his profile picture is with Cher. I forgot to mention that to him. I have an entire highlight reel based on share. So, <laughs> so I was just like starstruck by his profile picture yes. alone.
0: And don't you worry. Melissa and I will battle it out in a little bit. Um <laughs> As far as our opinions about Greg, I respect David's opinion. I understand it, but mine is very different. So please don't think I'm on the same page as that. I have a lot to say. But before we get there, we have a lot to talk about, mainly Blake, because I love Blake. I love his family. I think that and they hit his siblings and him
1: look so much alike. While Greg's siblings and him did not look anything alike, there no. was only one brother that was semi-similar, but it was
0: I don't even think that was his brother. That was his best friend. Blake and Katie, we have a very similar date that Serena P had for Hometowns last season with Matt James. But Blake just makes it fun. Um, shots of maple syrup. I loved the part where she's like, real talk. Have you ever used this in the bedroom? And that smile, that devilish smile that came onto his face. I was like, um, I would do anything with you
1: and maple syrup. I don't care. Just pour it on me. I just feel like she hasn't yet to appreciate the playfulness that they have yet, but we'll get to it.
0: I know that you obviously did not watch Desiree's season. Like this is old school, old school, old school Desiree season. And maybe mm-hmm. a lot of you guys haven't as well. There's a bit of a parallel that I'm seeing right now between Blake and the man that Dez is married to now, Chris, who she ended up picking on the show. Dez, her entire season had her heart set on this guy, Brooks. She just was obsessed. And she's like, he's my guy. I just, when you know, you know, I know. And she wasn't paying attention to the other men. And Brooks, definitely a different situation than Greg, which we will get into, but he, I think it was around the fantasy suites. I don't even think they went to the fantasy suite. He was basically just like, I don't feel the same way as you and I'm leaving. And she was destroyed, completely heartbroken. And all she had left were these two guys, one of which I don't remember his name. He would have never made it till final two. Like he kind of was just a seat filler in this situation. And then there was her now husband, Chris. And I randomly last week before any of this happened, rewatched their proposal on YouTube because I'm a freak. Wow. (laughs) And she was sobbing, you know, saying I was in love with Brooks. I am telling you that, like, you know that I was. But when he left, I couldn't see what was right in front of me the whole time which Mm -hmm. was you. You're the perfect man. You're the perfect partner. God brought us together. And I'm so grateful for getting my heart broken because I could see what is truly there. And I feel like it's kind of a similar thing with um, Katie and Blake. Like what she's wanted has been there all along. They're perfect for each other.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just the energy with the family was so different. I think that was a huge game changer for her.
0: I think last week I compared you know, what happened with Zach Clark's hometown date and how it changed the game for Tasha, because she could see herself a part of that family. And I think the same thing happened for Katie. So Blake's brother and sister was there, his mom, Emily, who is a trip, follow her on Instagram. She has her own podcast now. She also has a book out about like going through a divorce and, um, she, I mean, she wore fucking leather pants. Okay.
1: She's an <laughs> icon An icon. <laughs> Yeah, with like a messy updo, and she just looked so cool, so chill. I didn't even deserve to be watching her. She was too cool for me.
0: Wait, did you know that there was an unaired part? She brought Katie a gift. It was literally a Canadian dick, like a dildo with like Canada flags all over it.
1: That is hysterical. So that's why we didn't see the gift exchange really. Cause I don't remember what she gave her mom. I noticed that she gave a gift to every other hometown date. It was interesting. I mean, the sister really delivered, really, really delivered.
0: Yeah. She was a savage. She goes, but you said you were in love with Claire before you even went on the season. You looked at her Instagram and go, I love this girl already. And then that didn't happen. And then you loved Tasha. So like, what makes this different? And I love the way he looked at her as she was saying that like, oh, sis, you fucking little shit. Like, <laughs> okay, let's play this game. And like, yeah, you're kind of right in what you're talking about, but let me explain how this is different. Because I think she can see how it's different. I think that yes. without, like, without context, if you were to place Claire, Tasha, and Katie in front of his family and not knowing anything and kind of just learning about them, they would they would definitely pick Katie, like this is the best fit
1: for Blake. One billion percent. The sister was even like shocked by she goes, Oh, like I, I see this energy. Like I'm it, it almost jolted them to see their energy together. So that's why she needed to say, give me more evidence of what I just witnessed here, because I can't. It was shining so bright. I could barely see you. So now tell me what's so different. From the other two and that the fact that he remained calm instead of getting defensive was just so telling and the way that he was so sure but listen a Leo loves love they want to love they love to be loved and I think that he's really good at compartmentalizing himself in this process that he's able to really connect to these leads but they didn't connect to him so either way I mean what was meant to be is meant to be as some people are made for for these type of beating shows and some people aren't.
0: I don't know if you noticed this, but I think when Blake is uncomfortable, which we've seen on the Kalatia season, he he just babbles and just like blah, 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 and he just He's starts talking. Yeah. Nervous, starts talking. It doesn't make any sense. He's not calm. He's very like, I know I only have this amount of time, so I need to tell you this, 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 and this, so you will like me and keep me. That doesn't happen with Katie.
1: Yes, because it was inauthentic he wasn't aware of it but every he was put in an inauthentic position trying to fit a square peg in a round hole sort of situation and right now everything really fits
0: katie has a really nice conversation with his mother emily and i just think that they could be really fun friends as well and i'm excited to meet katie's mom next week to you know kind of see how she could fit into all of this you know from what we know i don't know how close katie and her mom are. Obviously, she loves her. There's also obviously a lot of probably anger there um, for lying to her about her father for most of her life. I don't know. I'm not saying that like Emily like will replace her mother, but I feel like it's a kind of energy that Katie can really like take and run with and like play off of
1: that female support that I know that I know his mom can provide I'm, and any, I I don't mean any disrespect to her her mom. I, I think she's always going to love and lean on her and respect her mom for sure. but it's definitely wonderful. I don't know what the story is with Blake's dad is though
0: yeah they it's never really been mentioned I'm sure in Emily's book that she mentions what happened but it just seems like he's not a presence at all. You know, just they I mean, they didn't even show anyone talking about him. I don't remember Blake even talking about him on the other season. So I don't know. It's interesting. But he seems like he has a really amazing family that I would love to be a part of, too. And um, they kiss goodbye. And he still doesn't tell her that he loves her. You know, during his conversation with his mom, she's like, tell me where you're at. And she's like, OK, so you love her. Like, why aren't you saying it? You need to man the fuck up and tell her. I loved that. Um, But yes, during their goodbye, it was on the tip of his tongue and he still didn't say it. They have something again in common. They're like, Yes, I think I love you, but I don't want to say it yet. It's just not right.
1: Really interesting because I am not that kind of person, but it works for them. And so be it. I think that she has too much going on right now for her to overanalyze how she felt in the moment that he said, I love you. And I think it was better off as a mystery. Exactly. See later on. It's all in her kiss. Okay. It's all in the kiss. It's all in the kiss.
0: So poor Justin is like hanging on by a thread here. His parents will not come out. And he talks to them and they just they don't get the process and think that it doesn't make sense. And if they end up together, they're happy to meet her um, after the show, which I think there has been a good amount of parents that have said and done that. But given Justin's kind of like low end of the totem pole, we don't even really understand their connection. It really sucks for him to not be able to have them and their support there.
1: Really sad. It gave me like flashbacks of when my parents didn't show up to like my dance recitals and stuff like that. <laughs> and all the other parents are here. Don't you know you're supposed to do that? And they're like, no, we we didn't know we didn't know there was a real audience that goes to that. <laughs>
0: I mean, I just think it's rude. It's like it's rude of his parents because they're just not there to support him. They could have showed up and said, I'm going to be honest. We don't believe in this process. We think it's weird, but we love our son. And we are here to show him support.
1: Yeah, it was so sad. It so was. Sad. Broke broke my heart for Justin. And you're right. That's what they could have done. They could have just been like, we don't believe in this, but we don't want him to be the only one who doesn't have parents here to support him.
0: And so he has his two friends come out, um, Herb and Tommy. I didn't know there was anyone named Herb under the age of 80, but- <laughs> his friends, you know, tell him like, Oh, you haven't said, I loved you. You only have two weeks left. And I mean, it's just another kind of indication. Like you can't force this kind of stuff. I do wish we saw more of Katie and Justin, especially at the beginning of the season. Cause it seems like he was what I mean, he's the first person that she kissed. Like we should have seen that story develop more, but instead we just saw his faces, which were also amazing
1: amazing he really brought it with his expressions this season I give him so much credit and also why couldn't the parents just FaceTime or talk to her on the phone or something I don't know maybe that happened and they just didn't air it it's like she pre-eliminated him just based on that like if I don't if I'm not going to see your family then I don't think we've really taken a step forward here but it's nice meeting your friends
0: yeah, and I mean, I think he has to know that. We'll see how next week plays out. I don't know if he eliminates or if she does first. I think it could go either way that he's just like, what? I, I, I'm not at that place, you know? Yeah. But he does say that he's falling in love with her at the end of the date. He has to get it in there if he still wants to be a part of the show.
1: Yeah, he's falling for her, but he's also falling for... These new stages of relationship that you yeah, have I mean, never tapped into, which is not really right for her either.
0: Once again, I mean, he's 26. So is Andrew. Um, And as lovely as they are, and yes, both of them have had bad tweets, but you know what? They've apologized. But as cool as they are, well, my opinion is that he's not ready for marriage, but I do think that personally, like this show is going to help him like grow and figure out what he wants and is a big part of his personal journey. I mean, if you're in that position, it must be really awkward and difficult. Like, okay, I'm still here. Michael left. She sent home Andrew. I don't know if she, if he knows what happened with Andrew exactly, but like, he kind of is just leftovers.
1: Yeah, it's sad to see him put in that position. I really didn't predict that for him. Before the show started, we saw Justin. And then the spoilers came out that he was final four. I thought he was going to be the villain because he was so good looking. He really was striking based on just a photo and whatever little bio came out of him, about him, that I was like, ooh, he's trouble. Like He looks like a bad boy. And then we don't really... that persona on the show and he actually ends up being sort of like what you're saying like leftovers
0: there must have been some kind of weird like overlap with paradise but I'm not quite sure there was maybe they were just too heartbroken but like Justin and Andrew should be on paradise and they're definitely not going to be there and I hate that for them because I just feel like and that would really be an amazing place for you know them to shine. I mean, imagine Justin's intro on Paradise. He has an easel. I just want to see it. Okay. Well, we have come to the point where <laughs> we're going to talk about Greg. I think that Greg kind of brings out a lot of like memories of people, whether that's their first love, um, whether it's their first breakup, whether it's, you know, something that's like really traumatic that happened to them, whether it's someone they look back on in their life and they're like, huh, what if I think that somehow Greg embodies all of those things. Um, I mean, he's an actor. So let's start off with their day portion of the date. He already, so like he saw Blake and Katie kissing and doing the thing and what podcast was I listening to? Um, Oh, it was actually Blake Horseman's podcast. And I will say if there's probably still won't be time, I hope that he saves it to his highlights or something. He did an amazing live reaction last night uh, on his stories (laughs) of of everything that was happening with Greg. And he was like, Was I heartbroken by Becca? And like, yes, would I have ever behaved that way? No, she had a lot on her shoulders. I would have never done that. But he did say that there was a point where him and Jason were having a bro chat And the um, producers were like, hey, why don't you guys take it outside to this beautiful balcony? And they did. And then all of a sudden they see like a plane fly over like a helicopter and land. And it's Becca and Garrett and they are making out on the beach and it's like right in front of their faces. And Jason and Blake to the producers were like, you guys fucking serious right now? Let's go inside. So this is something that they do. Obviously, they were like, you know, Greg. Maybe you need some air. Maybe you need to go out this door. And boom, there they were.
1: The energy that almost like shocked the Blake family between Katie and Blake was something that was, it jolted them, right? And it's something that's so evident. Even when Blake just got there, boots on the ground saying, hey, can I stay here? You could see her almost like shaking in a good way. Nervous in a great way of not knowing what to do in front of him. There's something really undeniable. And Blake hasn't really been a part of the group dates where people get to see, like he's been on group dates, but Katie bent over and kissed Andrew S in front of everyone. She Mm -hmm. never really showed any affection to Blake. I think she purposely knows or subconsciously knows that she's going to show too much if she flirts with Blake. In front of the other guys so i think that greg wasn't really used to seeing so much so much spark and connection i think that greg saw a lot i think he had like a that's a raven moment and saw their past lives and their current lives and how soulmatey the situation is by seeing them together i don't think it was just like him getting jealous at all
0: well, I mean, do you remember when Blake came, and I forget who it was, it might have been Connor that said, do you really think Blake's a threat? And he was like, uh, yes, I 100% think Blake's a threat.
1: Yes, because I say it a lot on this podcast that everyone is psychic. Everyone is intuitive. It's just a matter of us being so conditioned to not connect to our intuition or our psychic abilities. Granted, there are people that are more psychic than others, clearly, right? Like we had spiritists on here and Mm
2: -hmm. and a bunch
1: of other people, great intuitives, Kelsey, amazing. When you look at someone's chart, you can see in what aspect they're intuitive, where it stands out a little bit more. And some people you could see if they have a lot going on in their 12th house, wow, like they're really, really psychic. But overall, just by looking at anyone's 12th house, you could see how they tap into it. Turns out that Greg is really intuitive. So him being the most intimidated by Blake's arrival was his intuition already speaking. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because it was not just a shocking moment to see her with Blake. I think it was a revelation.
0: Yeah. And that's where he starts to crack. But yeah he still has his date, you know, and his family is there to meet her. He has his mother, his brother, and his best friend there. Of course, they have their day portion of the date. It's all fun and dandy, but you could see he still has this kind of like anger glaze over him. Just, it's just, it's building. And then Katie meets Greg's family and they talk about the first night uh, when he was there and he was so nervous. This is my notes. Greg says the first night was the scariest night of his life. Yeah fucking right. I, I I don't understand how people think that he is authentic. He has beautiful eyes, nice hair, good body. I get it. It's distracting. He is saying the right things until tonight. But I've just been seeing through this guy the whole entire time intuitively, and maybe it was tainted by, yes, like spoilers or, you know, things that have come out that apparent ex-girlfriends have said about him. But regarding that, I will say this much, Dumois, you know, has posted things about him that people have sent in and it's about ex-girlfriends where he is extremely possessive Um, does not has like yelled at them about wearing too short of a dress uh, you know that kind of thing and so and like yeah maybe that has been in the back of my mind but with that being said like my intuition this whole time has been like he's not the kind of man that he's portraying himself as
1: yeah I don't like catch up to the Dumois stuff but you've mentioned that he's like it's been said that he's possessive or I just kind of put it in one ear and really out the other one because I don't know like what the whole story of the relationship was and I don't know I just kind of have to like see it to believe it sort of thing.
0: Then you know we meet the family and his mom definitely like has a lot of questions for Katie. Greg is a Mm. very emotional person it seems and I'm not sure if these tears are something that happen a lot it's amazing to watch a man that is sensitive and can cry and not be like i'm sorry i'm sorry like that's a beautiful amazing thing but i will say i mean as someone that lost their dad to a sickness myself it is an extremely traumatic experience and he has ptsd and i think any time he kind of sees his family his nieces his sisters what have you he's just he's kind of brought back to a place of just an overwhelming sense of love and sadness and thinking about what happened to his father. And I also don't think that's an excuse though to treat people poorly, but I do see the trauma. I don't think Greg is that good of an actor. I think that he was emotional and was, you know, seeing this video crying. He's just, he's kind of crying all the time now, which for me, I'm like, buddy, like what's wrong? Are you okay? Like what is going on with you? Cause there seems to be a lot
1: going on with him internally. I think that there's also a really weird dynamic in his family life. There's definitely a lot of Still in shambles with his family after the loss of his father, a lot of like unhealed business. I think the brother was th- extremely authentic. I think it was very telling that the brother was like, "Oh, he told you about our dad. I haven't even spoken spoken to him about our dad." And his Chiron hmm. and Leo, it's is very much like that. Chiron and Leo, which Greg has, there's a lot of family wounds with that. You're super loyal to your family and you hold them to such a high regard. And I think that that's what he shows with his nieces and nephews. He's very, very big on being Uncle Greg. But then there's also – because Tyron is the wound, right? There's a big disconnect or detachment that occurs in his family life. And when you say that he's sensitive, he has a lot of sensitive placements. He has Mercury and Cancer. He has Mars and Leo. Jupiter and Libra, Chiron and Leo, and Saturn and Pisces, especially Mercury and Cancer. You hear a sad story, you watch a sad commercial, and it takes you hours to heal from it.
0: Yeah, which is probably one of the reasons why he wanted to be an actor,
1: because you can c- kind of
0: like tap into those things. right. I want to talk about like trauma bonding for a minute, because I think I said in earlier episodes, like when my dad passed away, I kept on meeting guys whose fathers had also passed away. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited, (laughs) not that their fathers had passed away, but like, I felt like, you know, we could- yeah, it's a sign we can understand each other. Oh my God, our fathers are in heaven, like planning our wedding. You know, this whole thing, I'm not saying every man that's like fresh off of losing his father is toxic, but I do think that there is this kind of like missing piece, especially if they were close with their fathers and that like masculine energy, like who do I go to now? Like, how can I be a man? Like now that my dad is gone, which I feel like Greg feels a lot, but when I was, you know, dating these guys, there was one, who I really liked. This guy was an Aquarius and I just like really liked him. And we shared with each other about our fathers and how they died and how difficult it was. And we really bonded over that. And then he just started ghosting me on and off. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, I'm this. And I remember, and this was kind of wrong of me, but I do understand where I was coming from. I was like, I shared so much with you about my dad. And, and this is the one year anniversary of his death. And you said you would do something with me. And like, I was like, I was wrong. I mean, I was like projecting back onto him with all these expectations I had of him because we had this trauma bond together that I thought was something that it was not. Yes. And I actually, this just kind of came to me in this moment. Like, do I think the guy is an asshole? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, It shouldn't have had anything to do with our dads. Him not being with me on the one-year anniversary of my dad's death, like that's not his fucking problem. But, you know, people that have lost someone, they feel as though they create this kind of like false connection when it really
1: might not be the case at all. Using the connection to try to fill the void unconsciously is very common.
0: But I do feel like what was happening to Greg I'm not saying he's evil, but I'm kind of just like trying to follow his like brain path and the path of his heart, which I think, you know, he said he shared all these things with Katie, like the basketball playing that he hasn't done since his dad has died, opening up in this way that he hasn't done since his dad has died. He felt as though he was owed something from her because he had opened himself up that much, which is what I felt from that guy that I was dating. I didn't do what Greg did but I kind of am like now seeing his thought process but it's wrong. Um it's it's not okay to like expect those things and then I think you know Greg went to a very dark place which we'll get into in a minute. But mm-hmm. yeah, there's this trauma bond situation and where you have these expectations. I do
1: feel like he's been genuine this entire time. I think that people aren't wrong for feeling that there's a fakeness to him. I think the fakeness to him is bottling up so much. Even though he's showing so much, there's just a whole lot, a lot of worms in that can. It's gonna take a really long time to really get to all of it, which is why he does need therapy because he is really behind on his therapy homework and he needs to do it. But I also feel like Katie has a big wall that didn't make him restless before, but now it's starting it, it's made him restless because he's realizing a lot right now and She's sort of like, no, but your picture is hung on my wall. And see, I already have the picture of us together. We've all been there where we're more focused on the picture of the person we want to be with than really like being, I guess, present with what's going on. It's like she, she's like, no, I hung you up. I got a frame. We're good. And he's like, hmm. But what else was
0: she fucking supposed to do? This is The Bachelorette. He's literally auditioned at least three times. He knows what this show is. I'm really gonna flip flop on this because I do understand that the very like semi recent death of a father and trauma bonding. So that's why I'm yeah. Kind no of trauma like,
1: bonding is like it's a mess, and it, and I don't blame them for doing it. But you also have to watch when you're doing it, kind of thing. And right, and I get you. Yeah.
0: That being said, though, like, I kind of disagree with everything else about him. I do think that his true colors um, were shown in a way. Yeah, well, let's just get into what happened. Right.
1: Well, I just want to say this really quickly. You're right. His true colors were shown. But I have to just let the audience know that I'm not the kind of person that sees things in the lens of like, Good guy, bad guy, that guy hurt this guy, this girl, the guy hurt this guy. And that's like where it ends. I feel bad for her, but I know ultimately this is going to put her in the direction that she should be in. Have you ever seen the movie The Breakup? Yeah,
0: it's painful. I mean, it's It's a good movie, but it's very sad.
1: It's really sad. And even though you could, you know, some people watch it and they hate Vince Vaughn, and some people watch it and they're like, wow, I now really see two sides of a story. The, the polarity is really, really interesting.
0: Katie finishes talking with Greg's mom and uh, you know, his mom expresses that she is worried. And I love what she said, which was in the previews, which is there are a lot of hearts that will break except for one. And yeah. I'm just, I'm very Capricorn of her. I'm respecting that Capricorn energy right now. She's laying it all out there. And then, you know, Greg, he's a hot mess. Like he is always on the brink of crying this entire time. Like I said earlier, like, buddy, like, are you okay? Like what's going on? And then um, he tells her that he has never been vulnerable like this with anyone. And, you know, that he's falling in love with her I don't know if he ever said like in love crazy in love like to her face I think he said that to his family but I don't think he said those exact words but you know he communicated it I'm falling in love I'm crazy about you I think you're beautiful amazing one of the best people in the world blah 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 and you know her response to this newer profession of love was um I just love looking at you which okay we all make mistakes That was not the right thing to say. If it was a dude that said that, that was The Bachelor (laughs) to one of his final four. I mean, we would have reamed him. I will say that much. But I think also the editing might've been a little bit off. Like we don't exactly know what happened because I don't really know why Kitty would say something like that.
1: He was like a deer in headlights. And the way that I saw it was that maybe for the first time she realized I wonder why Blake didn't say this to me. And she was thinking that while staring into his eyes. Maybe he intuitively felt like, oh, I think something just completely shifted between the two of us. Because she could have leaned over and been like, that means so much to me and just like gave him the most passionate kiss ever. And granted, she said a lot. That's why a lot of people are very sympathetic to her. Cause like, come on, man, you got all the hints you needed. And I totally, totally am on that. I totally agree. I'm like, wow, she's like, Always giving him so many affirmations, it's almost too much. It's almost coddling him at this point, almost like spoiled him. All these affirmations, but at the same time, I do feel like there's more to unveil when he was more confident and comfortable with her. When there were more, comp- when there was more competition than he is right now. When there's less. Listen,
0: I know that we are both very spiritual people. I can kind of. St- take a little peek into the souls of people sometimes, which is sometimes why we're so forgiving and right. loving. But I do think you're giving Greg a little bit too much credit. For me, like there are narcissists that are just like at this point, like why isn't it me? Like I am pissed because I know that I am not the only person and the rumors are out there. And I'm sorry, like you can choose and pick to believe like what you want, but that so many people are saying like, he is, was out this, at this for fame. Like, you know what I mean? Like he talked about wanting to do this for fame. Like over, like there are so many stories out there. There were a lot of stories out there too about Rachel Kirkconnell being racist. And we talked yep. about them and yep. now she's with Matt James. So like, I don't, and they they seem happy. And again, like, I don't know if those are true or not but it, it's really hard to decipher. But when you see someone's character which is, I, I think we saw tonight, I think we saw the real Greg last night. I mean, um, well, for you guys, it'll be two nights ago, but I, I do think that we saw the real Greg. I think that he, the show that he was putting on was being the nice guy. And then tonight, like it just all kind of like, this is who he really is. He's very emotional. He's very hurt. Um, just in general, I think at life and the way it has turned out so far for him for what I mean, he seems like he has a fine life and whatever, you know, with the loss of his dad and feeling like it was so unfair that he had to see that and do that. And I, I understand that. But, you know, again, now he's in this position. And he's just like, why aren't I the one like now I'm pissed, like, I can't stand to put this like pretty face on anymore for everyone. Like, I want this and I want it now.
1: So I think this is a really good conversation because a lot of people are posting information about empaths and narcissists. Narcissists and empaths are much alike. It's just that there's a a trauma happens, it creates a fork in the road, and they have to choose whether they're going to take the route of the empath or the narcissist. The narcissist puts their soul aside and drives on solely ego in order to survive. The empath is... You know, it maintains the soul. It absorbs everything. It can sense other people's emotions. It can absorb other people's emotions. But the problem is, is when you're absorbing things, you're going to also absorb the garbage. You don't absorb just love and light. You have to have such boundaries to protect yourself and maintain love and light. So with an empath, a lot of empaths also act as narcissists constantly because they've absorbed the mechanisms that narcissists have used to protect themselves. And they almost repeat that. So a lot of empaths after leaving a relationship with a narcissist will kind of take little narcissistic tools and do that in their next relationship. And they get really confused and they hurt themselves all the time. And also even just let's say you're not a narcissist and you're not an empath. We're in a world with so many of so much of each that we are also just learning through society on how to act and listen, everyone gaslights which is awful. And you really have to be in tune to recognize when you are, to own and take, you know, accountability and reflect and be like, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Just to give that person, you know, that acknowledgement of, you're not making it up. I did do that. I, now that you're saying it, I realize it. So to speak, it's trending right now, this conversation of empath and narcissist to the point where everyone's just like, label, 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 and I, and I think that it's my due diligence to take a step back to be like, all right, there are even empath narcissists, which is even the saddest thing. There are people that were normally raised by a narcissist abused so heavily that they became an empath, but they also have, they're operating as a narcissist while also being an empath, and it's like the saddest thing ever. But I mean, if you are a queen of like, Uh, knowing how to do your boundaries and like have boundaries i think that you're someone who's equipped to treat narcissists if you're a therapist and and give them what they need and help them you know i don't think that they're a lost cause there's empaths absorbing traits of narcissists then there's narcissists who are absorbing traits of empaths to seem like an empath and get away with being a narcissist and then there's normal folks who are just sometimes doing narcissistic shit and empathic shit And it's just like, who is what and what is what? And we don't know. I only know Greg through this television. And I know his chart, which actually gave me more empathy for him. But the chart can't also say whether he's an empath or a narcissist. Someone could have almost the same placements as you and still be X, Y, or Z narcissist or empath or empath narcissist or whatever. We are allowed to be triggered by what we saw last night. I think the most triggering thing was seeing Katie be so submissive. And that's why everyone is like really worked up. She isn't even healed from Michael A. She opened the door, was like, what's next? And Greg was pretty much just serving her a platter of her worst fear. And she shut down. No, he shut down. I don't think that she shut
0: down. I think that she, and the fact that she, this appearance of being submissive, you know, of being like, I'm sorry, like, what can I do? What do you want? She has about one boundary, which is she does not want to say I love you until she picks her person. That's her choice. And that's something that she has been very clear about that she has said. And it's something that he cannot respect. And it's upsetting because it's just like, I will give you anything else and you
1: just need to wait. I think I, I think people are kind of stuck on that because I don't think that's what he needed. I think he really just was like, I, I between seeing you and Blake together and then seeing this these like airwaves that I'm sending you of my feelings and it just kind of like wasn't going through, I also realized something that you haven't yet seen. She's not submissive. She's not a submissive person. But to see her kind of put in that state was really sad to see because she did feel helpless, but only because she was blindsided by everything that he was saying. I mean, she might have been sort of prepared for it intuitively. And I do really think that she sort of got a download.
0: Well, she's been worried about him leaving for like 70% of this entire season.
1: Yeah, it's like almost she knew. She knew the future already.
0: But you know what? Like her Capricorn energy is basically like, this is a show. This is what is supposed to happen. And like David said, this is what I signed a contract for, for money. And I can't just end this. I cannot pull, because this wouldn't be pulling a Claire, but still, you know, just like fucking up production
1: in a way. If I could metaphorically explain it, it's like in Katie's perspective, Greg came in with the with a frame of the two of them on their wedding day and just smashed it on the ground. But Greg is like, I'm already in the car and I've driven states and states miles and miles away already. I just think it's so
0: important. Like even when you get spiritual and you learn about all of this stuff, you cannot make excuses like for bad behavior, for for being cruel cool to someone. But,
1: so he so he sort of just waited till is. Fantasy- fantasy suites with all his insecurities allowed her and him to have a horrible fantasy suite situation or maybe even a fake one like that's what that's what she deserved more no
0: i think that she deserved for him to say i've come to this revelation
1: i don't think he realized it yet i think he needed her to also show him proof that the revelation was the right direction i think he was also ashamed like We've come this far and I'm seeing it all fall apart in front of me. I know people might be screaming and thinking I'm giving him too much credit. I think someone could do something shitty, but I I also have seen myself in her shoes and I've seen myself in his shoes because with my Aquarius moon, I'm so detached. Sometimes when I am with a partner, that's like so emotional and like they're, they are showing me their bleeding heart. I'm like too busy analyzing to make sense. And when it comes to a Virgo moon like Katie's, he has the same ability as an, as an Aquarius moon to explain every emotion by something that they find rationally acceptable. And he's like, I'm not looking for rational right now. It's not about being rational. Like I just feel and I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. And she's just like, wait a minute. So last night, I think I was just trying to listen. And I was just, and like, I think the more she tried to logically explain, the more frustrated he got. And I've seen me do that to my partners. But I've also seen my partners try to be so logical and rational. I've been in his shoes where I'm like, just understand the emotions, just understand the emotion. And she's just like, no, no. And then she was just kind of like going into bachelorette robot, which I don't blame her. She's doing her job. But he's like, I'm not a number, like stop with the number thing. There was a connection. There was a two way street. It just came to a head. She's getting damaged from his lostness. But At the same time with his placements, he's normally like the one that gets discarded.
0: Discarded? I mean, come on. I feel like Greg kind of is the one that discards people.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, he essentially discarded her from what we saw. And listen, I don't know if he said more hurtful things that wasn't aired. I think she was really, really clinging on to a picture that she already had set in her mind and all the things that she was saying to his family just makes it really obvious. Like I already have a plan. I didn't catch this
0: until my rewatch today, taking notes when he was talking, it was either to his friend or his brother. He was like, we've talked about the future. She's going to move to New York for me.
1: I think that they both loved to each other. I think Katie may not be aware of this yet. I don't think she'll ever want to be aware of it because she's so mad at him and she has every right to be. But they both made mistakes. Let's talk for a moment about
0: why women are so triggered by this. There are some women that are lucky enough to have never experienced gaslighting. And gaslighting has become such a trendy term. Like last night, my mom goes, What is like what is it you guys are always talking about? This gaslighting thing. Yeah. But yeah, like what we shared that Steffi put on her spirit sis last night or today. It's basically someone that kind of tries to make you feel crazy because they're like deflecting and trying to protect something from themselves or hide something about themselves that they make you feel like the crazy one. And then it becomes this vicious cycle. And like you said earlier, it was extremely hard and triggering to see Katie get down on her knees and beg and and turn into somebody that she's not because she didn't think that she did anything wrong.
1: Yeah, you saw him being stronger and her being weaker. So you're like, oh my gosh, and everyone wants to protect her. And I I felt that too.
0: And I also do want to say like the turn of his personality, like he has a temper and it's vindictive and he did things like interrupt her. And then when she did speak, it completely went in one ear out the other. All he wanted to do was get her point across, his point across. And yeah, maybe he didn't realize he's done this. I'm very interested to see the conversation they had next week maybe he will take some ownership. I don't know. He switched so quickly. And sure, maybe he's getting intuitive hits. Maybe his gut is telling him, you know, I know it's not you. And that's also insecurity, because the truth be told, it would have been him. I'm sorry, like she would have picked him. She would have.
1: Yeah. And she felt like as long as he knew that, this wouldn't be happening. I think it was wrong that like he interrupted her for sure, but we're all guilty of doing that. And so I think he's like, I, I know just what you're saying. I, I know where what you're where you're heading with this, but it it's only proving to me that there's a there's a whole storm going on in his head. And it's like, I don't. He probably already thought of what she was going to say in that moment at like two a.m. last night, and like now he's created like all these other thoughts since that point. He's like, I. I'm mean, not really catching up to how I feel right now.
0: Well, and that that's like an unbalanced person. Like you, you should be able to like battle those anxieties and fears and like treat other people with respect, but also like convey your point because I feel as though he was using his like, I know something's wrong. Like I'm going crazy. I'm so angry Yeah. as a manipulation tactic. For her, you know what I mean? That like in a way worked. She got on her knees, she begged, she cried. And then he was just like,
1: bye. You're right. And that really hurt me when he was just like, bye while she was on her knees. I think that if he was like, oh, I have you exactly where I want you now. I think that would have been more narcissist to me than like, I yeah. can't do this anymore and running away.
0: And just want to give a shout out to Caitlin Bristow for that amazing bathroom. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, like I cried Gemini last Gemini in, Gemini out. <laughs> exactly. Not all Geminis are bad. An amazing utilization of the host who would have been there for her. if Chris Harrison was there. Would Chris Harrison have sat outside of her door, gotten in there, picked her up off of the ground No, there would have been really no one to do that for her. Kudos to them. And they are officially Caitlin and Tasha, the hosts of Michelle's season, which we knew for a long time, but I guess they weren't allowed to announce it until recently. But yeah, so Katie is just trying to figure out her way what is going on next. And then we see the scenes from next week. Um, Katie's mom is there, both very emotional. So I don't know what that's about, if it's about Greg or what have you. And her mom says that she doesn't have to rely on a male, which again is this part of the show that, you know, she could end up alone if anyone were to and like we could feel okay about it. I think it would be Katie. Yes. We're bummed. She didn't find someone, but she'll be fine. And then we see Justin say, he hopes that he doesn't take her for granted. I'm assuming this is after she probably breaks up with him and says, it's Blake or whatever she says. I mean, I don't really know why he would say that, but this is definitely a breakup scene. Then Blake says, if Katie is still hung up on Greg, there's no point to this. I feel really a lot for Blake rewatching this. I I don't know if him and Katie are still together. Be a Zach Clark because Taysha was freaking out and she was kind of like cold and mean to him on their final date, I think. And like not mean, but just not her like self. And he wasn't angry, he wasn't jealous, he wasn't scared. He just like did the right thing and made her feel better.
1: I I really hope that we get to see a moment like that where Blake gives her better clarity because me and you were texting while we were watching the show and we were like, oh, this is awful because now we know that it's just such more confirmation when it's close, but you have to like jump off the ledge and like pick the one. But when it's too easy, it's like, am I with you? Because it's clearly better choice. Or am I with you because it was so hard, but I but I ultimately knew yeah. in the challenge or something. It's hard to explain. And now there's like not almost not enough challenge for her to feel like validated in whatever decision she makes. If it is Blake, which we're 99.9% sure it is.
0: There's a photo that is leaked like from after the final rose that was like then deleted that she has a ring on. Mm -hmm. um and I think with the way she was talking to Michael A who by the way has been very flirty in the comments and on podcasts Mm. on podcasts he's like I don't think I could be the bachelor right now because I
1: still have feelings for Katie yeah he's really bringing it Michael A he is I think that it's a little it's a little much it's a little little shocking yeah it's a little much it's a little
0: shocking then there's a part of me, though, that's like, maybe he knows something and is like, I'm shooting my shot. Like, I know that she's not with anyone and that's why I'm doing this.
1: Well, didn't she say in Men Tell All that it wouldn't be fair to who she's with right now? Kind of. I don't think she said those exact words, but that she's moved on
0: and like looking forward. That was filmed a few weeks ago, like a month ago. So maybe something has changed. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to me and Melissa argue, but respectfully. <laughs>
1: <laughs> do you want to hear my breakdown or? You yeah, going to no, be... go, go ahead. Okay, so I know we weren't going to do what's your sign this week, but I ended up rewatching the scene and I just started like typing vigorously on the computer. I was hoping to find in his chart what can show me that he's an actor, and the only thing was Jupiter and Libra. Like a lot, of they Jupiter and Libra loves the arts, and they will they will venture into acting, but a lot of times it doesn't always mean that they become an actor. It just means that they try it because they realize that they like to express themselves and I'll get into that, I guess. But yeah, everyone's, so I'm like, let me see like where the actor is, right? And he's a Taurus rising. And I was wondering if that was wrong and he could be a Leo rising. Because he has a lot of hair and a lot of Leo risings have like nice hair. So, but so does Taurus rising. I'm a Taurus rising and plenty of hair. I found some surprises. I found, as I stated before, there's a lot to his sensitivity. The things that made me think he was an actor is really all the things that make him really emotional. He's super sensitive. But in my lifetime, I've been most hurt by the people that are most sensitive. That's why when I have sensitive friends, I get nervous and I like, kind of hide a little bit from them. I normally become the punching bag to the sensitive ones. So it turns out me and him, as I've stated in previous podcasts, we both have Venus and Aries, but he has Venus and Aries in the 12th house, which is a really tough placement. I needed to take a look into his intuition, which makes perfect sense. 12th house is the house of the unseen realm. Pisces and Neptune own that house and it takes care of things that are hidden, like your shadow. We saw plenty of shadow last night but it is a great place to find psychic ability and how strong your intuitive senses are. Venus represents love, style, talents, and money, among many other things. Venus and Aries is a tough placement. We love really hard. We fall in love at first sight, but unfortunately we fall out of love harder, which is a big ouch. It's a big burn. Greg also has cancer and mercury, which doesn't help the the emotions stay hidden either. However, there is a sharp heat and sudden reactions happen because Aries has absolutely no patience and they speak before they really think. If I could speak to myself, I'd be like, listen, dude, your lesson was that you tapped into confidence and joy for the first time since you lost your father. Sure, you're hurt that you can't just operate this as a normal relationship and get the telepathic feelings that you were looking for after you spilled your heart on the floor. I know that sucks for you, but listen, that's what you're here for. And you tapped into the confidence and joy. Please keep that and move on. Anyway, back to the Aries of Venus in the 12th house. It's tricky because there's a lot of confusion with matters of the heart, given the psychic ability to know what's good, what's real, it's almost like you're gaslighting yourself constantly because you really have to learn and be conditioned to trust your intuition. It's confusing because you're sort of the guinea pig of the universe. So sure, you're going to get heartbroken so they can go back to where they need to be on their timeline and their journey, but you're also going to break hearts to make sure that they're fulfilling their karmic duty and doing what they need to do. And I think that the Greg explosion isn't maintaining that journey where katie should be with blake if that is what ends up happening otherwise they would have broken each other's heart after this journey and it would have been for nothing like she's really trying to make the best use of her time and i think it would be really hard for her to know that she like wasted it with something that ends after this Mm -hmm. i really hope she finds the one you know and i think that he really understands that subconsciously venus and aries is restless enough and then moon and sag in the eighth house is a nightmare Uh, chiron and leo mixed with jupiter and libra which can cause egotism there's a love for the arts and bringing energy to people and that's what fills a jupiter and libra up and again leo and chiron close with the family but also most hurt by your family so it goes from like attached to detached and it also makes sense why he puts so much attention to the children which is the nieces and nephews i am sorry if you guys think this is a load of bullshit it was easy for me to put myself in his shoes a little bit i've been in katie's shoes i've I've definitely been in his um, after seeing his chart.
0: Don't accept this behavior, ladies. Men kind of sometimes can do this thing where, A, they mansplain. And if someone treats you this way, I think that is the red flag that you guys are not right for each other, which is like he self-destructed because they aren't, because they would not have lasted. He would have pulled this shit like after they got engaged. Something would have happened that he would have spoken,
1: you know. I totally agree with you on that. He would have pulled this shit later on. That's why I'm like relieved that it happened before her process was over. I'm
0: going to give a prediction. Mark my words. Okay. Okay. So Blake and Katie at after the final rose, she's already tore Greg a new one and he's whatever. And then Blake comes out and talks about how happy they are. And then Caitlin or Tasha, probably Caitlin, asks, I just need to ask you guys something. Honestly, have you used the maple syrup in the bedroom? (laughs) (laughs) And if they don't do that, they're stupid.
1: Okay. I should produce this show. Wouldn't that be genius? Blake is smart and you're smart too. Cause then Blake can come out with his own maple syrup line (laughs) where a portion of every purchase gets donated to wildlife.
0: Well, okay. We have a lot of predictions, a lot of thoughts and feelings we're sure that you guys do too. So please let us know. Rate, review, subscribe. We want to hear your feedback. We see you guys watching and we really would appreciate a review because it helps us very much. And also make sure to follow us at Throw it Batch Pod on Instagram. We're posting amazing content about memes and astrology and our opinions and lots of things. So we'll see you next week for the three-hour finale. And we are having on, should I say it or should I wait? Uh,
1: we're gonna make it a surprise.
0: And thank you again to David Yontef. We appreciate you coming on, and we love you. And we can't wait to talk to you soon. You'll be on the show next season. We hope we're gonna get him in for paradise. And yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.